Seven Days to Play. Welcome to Seven Days to Play, your weekly mobile game review program. I'm Edwin. And I'm Sam. And we challenge each other in this podcast to play a game that we suggested in the previous week. For <laughs> seven days, script. if you will. I love it. <laughs> awesome. <laughs> uh, for the last seven days, I have challenged Edwin to play Alien cool. Blackout, a game from D3 Go. But first, news. Edwin, you have some news. Oh, no, I just like making that sound. Okay. No, no, no. <laughs> According to a report from Achada, which is that... Like the like, cheese? Like the cheese, which but also slang for money. And mm. it's like that kind of business video startup. It's also my friend's nickname. The good nickname. <laughs> you call him Cheds? I call him, well, well, Cheddar is the nickname, so I call him Cheddar. <laughs> oh. So Phil, you can get that down to a single syllable. Cheds. Ched. <laughs> Then it's just a name, anyway. But according to Cheddar, uh, Apple may be working on a gaming subscription service. I have been thinking about this. Yeah, it's all very skeptical, of course. But if Apple goes ahead, uh, users could pay a monthly subscription fee to access a library of games. Uh, it is, of course, still unclear how much it would cost and what would be included. Is there like a return policy? Is there a set amount of games that you can check out? Like. I'm interested to know. I'm interested to know like what those details are. Like, yeah, can I keep a game and then if I unsubscribe from the service, will that game then go away from my phone? I imagine it probably would. That's yeah. why you keep subscribing. Yeah, probably my guess. These are the things that I'm interested. In. Ha- having said that, though, I think um, the list of games is probably going to be important. There probably will be. Uh, I feel like this would be an opt-in service for like game developers, whether or not they want to be included into the subscription service. Uh, yeah, there's lots to think about there. It's it's interesting. It is, and we often talk about the kind of gross monetization that we run into on uh, these, so gross. these games. I, as a user or as a player, I'm quite interested to say, yeah, I will pay you. Well, it's Apple, so I'll pay you more than I really want to but I can have an ad-free experience with these kind of casual games. That's kind of interesting to me as a player. That is interesting. Yeah, I wonder what the requirements will be to be included into this subscription service, right? Yeah, but then like the flip side is, you know, oh, hey, if you're an indie developer trying to make quality games, this is probably not a great thing because you want... Uh, it's tricky to make yeah. money, right? So um, I know on Mac, there's Set App, which is sort of like a similar subscription deal where you pay monthly and you get a bundle of different software. Right. And I think, I think, I could be wrong, but I think they pay out depending on which ones you use. So if you make a popular app in this Set App bundle, then you actually get paid out per usage rather than just a flat fee for being included in the bundle. Oh, that's pretty cool. Uh, well, yes and no. I think it's interesting. It's an interesting idea. Mm. Um, if that is a model Apple uses, you would just end up with a bunch of games that are really just designed to be uh, what's well, like sticky and there's like constantly returning to and very clickbaity. Maybe I don't know. Right? Yeah, it might be. I can also see it going the other way. Of it might be a good springboard. For early engineers or early developers or indie game developers to to get to, to show more prominence, like, hey, this is a really good game. You can get it as a subscription, you know, like in the Apple subscription store or whatever that is. And then after you've proven your track record with that game, then you go completely out of that loop and create your own games and sort of self-promote and all that stuff. Yep. Uh, and also f- from the technical side, you know, integrating with an ad server, creating mm. all those purchasing flows and, you know, when to show an ad, when to not like that is still quite a bunch of work. And maybe for like the smaller game developers or, you know, individuals going, yeah, you know what? Hey, I can just put myself in this bundle, get a bit of money without a whole bunch of extra work of integrating ads into my game. Right. Be interesting. Hmm. Yeah, but, it, oh, yeah. It, there seems to be more benefits to Apple than it is to engineers from this initial take, right? <laughs> well, I mean, of course, Apple isn't going to do anything <laughs> that doesn't benefit it. So, yeah, uh, of course. Yeah. Um, but it's also interesting just to think about this in the context of all the other Apple rumors that are happening, like Apple becoming like a services company. So the Apple TV uh, service that's coming, um, Apple's 
existing iCloud service and Apple Music. There is talk of, you know, doing what Amazon Prime has done, bundle everything up, and you pay a monthly fee, which is going to, again, probably be more than you want, but in theory cheaper. Will Apple send me a new iMac every three years? (laughs) Well, it's funny you say that, but I mean, they do the monthly installment plan for iPhone. Right. So there's the iPhone, I forget what it's called, the iPhone upgrade scheme, but you pay monthly for that. (laughs) The upgrade pyramid scheme, that's what it's (laughs) (laughs) So yeah, you pay for that, bundle in Apple Music, unlimited cloud storage, your game subscription, your TV subscription, and you get a new phone every two years. Mm. Mm Mm-hmm. Interesting. Mm, interesting. And that is this week's new, new news. Well, I have one more new, new news. Okay. Stack them up. So the PUBG company recently announced PUBG Lite. Blue Hole? Blue Hole. Actually, I don't <laughs> think it's Blue Hole. Oh. I think it's now PUBG. Because Blue Hole is only responsible for PUBG proper. Prub- <gasps> How PUBG. dare you? PUBG Prime. <laughs> the one that's on the PC. The one that's failing. <laughs> Or it's, not failing. It's doing really well. <laughs> Someone showed me a screenshot. There were 700,000 concurrent players well, at some point. Well, the thing is, PUBG still, is yes. really popular all around the world. It's just, Fortnite is just phenomenally popular in the US. I think everywhere else, like in Southeast Asian countries, in China, and in Korea, like, it's PUBG, right? Yeah. Yeah, but I think we could all agree Fortnite won. I mean, Fortnite won in the US. It's really not that popular uh, everywhere else. Okay. Um, but in terms of just sheer numbers, yes, Fortnite is winning. However, uh, now they've recently announced PUBG Lite, which are for lower end computers. So computers that have low processing power, low amounts of RAM, mainly geared for audiences in like Southeast Asia. Does that mean I could run a PUBG on my MacBook Pro? Mm. <gasps> if you oh. run, if you run Windows on it. Uh-huh. Rats. <laughs> So they they released it. I think it's like a Thai company that's releasing it. Um, But it's only available in Thailand and I think in India. Okay. Uh, I can read it out. And I've seen some videos of it and it looks pretty much exactly like PUBG proper. So (laughs) it's interesting. I think with this will come really interesting things. Maybe even, I don't know, there's just like three different flavors of PUBG now, right? There's PUBG Mobile, PUBG Prime. And PUBG Lite now. So I feel maybe the next step they're going to do is either merge like PUBG Mobile and PUBG Lite together into like one thing so it runs on phones as well. But I think the cool thing here is that now there might be a possibility of PUBG being on the Nintendo Switch. (gasps) Oh, be still, my beating heart. Well, yeah, this would, would this be the, (laughs) the straw on the camel's back that breaks you to buy one? Yeah, it would. <laughs> yeah, it would. Uh, especially with the additional new, new news that Steam World Heist is having a mm. Steam World something. I forget the name of it. Steam World. Steam World Quest. <laughs> Steam World Quest is coming to Switch sometime this year. Yeah, that might be that. That that's all you need. Yeah, another Steam World game and yeah. PUBG Lite. What's interesting about PUBG Lite is. Okay, great. Make it run on poor laptops, but it still requires a very fast internet connection. Otherwise, it, so I'm really curious to see what they're going to do. It requires a pretty good internet connection. Like, because we play PUBG Mobile. We do. Right? On the phone. And so if, if, it can, if a phone can handle that, I think a Switch can handle. We try it on 3G one day. Mm. <laughs> I don't think it'd be that bad, actually. Yeah. Like, we'll see. Well, that's new, new news. So, Edwin, I have challenged you to play Alien Hold on. Blackout, which is a game from D3Go, and they're a company that's been around. They've made games previous to Alien, colon, Blackout. Okay, sorry, yes. <laughs> you missed your cue. Uh, as Puzzle Quest. Have you heard of Puzzle Quest before? I have heard of Puzzle Quest. I, don't, I haven't played it. I don't know what it is. Is that a Facebook game? It... I think they had at one point a Facebook integration. Is in that genre? Yeah, I first heard of Puzzle Quest because it was on the PC, and Puzzle Quest made the Match 3 game kind of epic. Like, it gave it, like, a fantasy storyline where, you know, you're setting... You're like an elf, right? You You need to go hunt something, and, you know, like, your elven powers are kicked off by matching the three green 
gems right and it stores your energy in some way and then you can unleash the energy and you attack your other player right it was kind of like puzzle fighter but with a match three game so it gave this really nice aspect of a match three game by giving it a story giving it some sort of characters that you can actually kind of role play with uh, as a game um and then they've they've then created other games that were in the puzzle quest uh genre like they made a marvel version at some point which is also pretty popular Mm-hmm. But yeah, so these these guys have been around, and I think that Alien Colon Blackout is <laughs> Alien Colon. That sounds like <laughs> you know uh, a biology class. <laughs> so right now we're we're going to be doing the Alien Colon Blackout. Now that's this is a process where you're going to have to take your enema <laughs> in your right hand and you're <laughs> and going to complete a blackout around the ring. <laughs> So this game is a follow-up game to Alien Colon Isolation. <laughs> <laughs> That's definitely That's opposite a of Blackout. Yeah. Uh, had you played Colon Isolation? I have. Uh, oh, I didn't yeah. finish it, uh, mainly because it was too scary. Oh, It was one of those games where it's first person, it's on the console and PCs, right? Um, and But what I remember is that it was, it was an extremely good game, like, super polished it was based on the ridley scott alien world so everything looked kind of 80s sci-fi which is an awesome look um really good treatment of like you know the text and the overlays it Mm. felt like the alien movie soundtrack and you control the daughter of ellen ripley who is the main star of all the alien movies uh and they did like a really faithful sort of sequel to the original alien movie and this is uh, pretty much after that game. So I don't know what happens in the end of Alien Isolation, but I assume she's sort of trapped alone in, in a starship because that's where this game starts off. <laughs> right. Uh, and yeah, like, and I think you get the vibe of the game as soon as you, you start the game. So the game starts. Up pops a quite subtle headphone icon, which is the first thing I noticed. Do you remember this? Yes. Which and I was like, oh, okay. It's really cool because um, one of the big things that came out from the movie was like this graphic design sheet of oh. all the iconography that was actually used in the alien starship. I mean, in, in the, the, I think it was the... Does Nos- Xenomorphs have opposable thumbs? Was it the Nosferatu? No, Nostradamus or something like that. Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think you're right. And... Um, it was like a production designer that created all the icons of like emergency exit, fire exit, elevator shaft, you know, all those kind of things and created like a system for it. Also um, nerdy. I love it. And this, these headphone icons are very closely related to the, that, that icon guideline. So it was cool to see that. That is very cool. And it's a nice touch compared to the usual best enjoyed with headphones. Right. Yeah. Best enjoyed with Coca-Cola. But I have to tell you this game, enjoyed with headphones (laughs) you're presented with the home screen start a new game it pans across space like vista Mm. the stars and then the logo appears and that's always a nice moment yeah like that's probably my like top movie logo of all time and i have to say good stars Mm. right (laughs) good stars i've seen some stars yes these are good stars very easy to get stars wrong (laughs) yeah but yeah you get that central pillar and then the the forward slash appears on one side. The and backslash back appears. Slash yeah, slowly forming as the music crescendos, and slowly you hear an uh, Amanda Ripley talking. Amanda hug and kiss. And <laughs> I get she says, in my head. "This is Amanda Ripley." Oh, right. Hug and kiss. Hug and kiss. I need Amanda hug and kiss. She's a terrible Simpsons joke from back in the day. You know when Bart used to call up Mo in the tavern and give yeah. super names? Yeah. <laughs> so yeah, that's ruined her name. Sorry. I'm sorry. You need, you need the levity in this game because it's real <laughs> really quick. So a man, so Miss Hug and Kiss makes a transmission. Right. She's sending out an emergency broadcast saying, I'm trapped in this space. I forget what the base is called. But I'm trapped uh, in this space. The Mendel Space Station. The Mendel Space Station. Uh, and of course, it houses a deadly alien. Right. Which, you know, that's... that's to be expected space. with a title like Alien... <laughs> blackout. Colon Blackout. In the beginning intro, you see a ship docking to the Mendel. 
Oh, dear. Yes. Uh, and it has a crew of four people that comes out of the, the dock. And immediately, Amanda talks to them over the, the intercom because what you're seeing are like little snapshots of a CCTV camera that's being controlled by Amanda. Right. She's in the control, control she's in station. Like, yeah, she's in like some room. Um, you, you, you know, because like that's one of the things that you actually control and you're like, it seems like some weird duckway. Right. Like it's it's a red sort of red lit. You're in a duct. You have your computer hooked up to, to an access a, point to an access point. Think about it. Yeah. Right? And then um, she she taps in and you see the CCTV and in the CCTV, it gives you like a really nice tutorial of like, OK, where are they? And that's all she says. And, and then on the screen, you see on the right hand side, little names of what would be like camera points like engineering bay and like deck hallway and medical room or something like that, right? And so you, if you tap on them, you see the screen immediately switch to those camera angles. Um, and there's very little you can do. Like one of the camera is like a panning camera, one camera just like a stationary. But, you know, when you pan through it, you sort of see this alien like walk by and you're like, oh, what is that, right? <laughs> ah! Jump scare. Jump scare. Uh, and then you pan back to where the docking station is and you see like a crew come out. And then that's when Amanda starts talking to the crew again and says, did you get my uh, emergency signal? And then the crew that comes out goes, no, we, we didn't get anything like that. We're Ooh. just here because we needed to fix some stuff. <laughs> oh, there was no transmissions. Oh, I think there's a crafty double crossing robot in the mix. Is that, is that what you thought? That's what I thought. Because yeah. one of the people sounded like a robot. Anyone who's British? Yeah, <laughs> anyone who's British, pretty much. <laughs> with a name like Thornton. You do get, yeah. So the, you get the four characters, Sato, Thorncroft, Studwick, and Yutani. Yutani. Mm, and so, ding, ding, ding. Right. Yutani is a, is a very strong name in the Alien universe because strong name. the big company that runs everything is pretty much called Wayland yutani And Good so, name. yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting because like if you play through the actual story, a little bit more of the character's personality and history comes out through these transmissions uh, as you guide them through. So, after brief introductions and purpose of why they're there, Alien plops on the hallway. I mean, let me probably use a more scary verb than okay. plops, but... Alien rars <laughs> on the hallway. <laughs> it's a jump scare because people did not expect it, and it gives you a nice brief tutorial on... Hey, you should tap this door. Slightly kind of like awkward uh, perspective on the icon right. over it, but you know, hey. It was, yeah, I think this was totally something that was like an on-screen tutorial. So, but it was weird because it was in the plane of existence in that camera world, <laughs> right. right? So it's yes. like, the so tap on it and then the door closes and you realize, okay, I have control of the doors. And that's pretty much how everything starts. Um, it gives you a little bit more tutorial on you switching then to a map view where you have to where you have the power to like guide people along corridors and paths right don't like the marauders map really if we're yeah. doing harry potter crossover except the names are on top of oh. the dots yeah right you have no idea who's who and it's all very confusing <laughs> right and so very much like the alien style you can also enable motion trackers with a nice motion tracker sound Right. Yeah, I didn't quite get that bit, but I do remember that being a thing. It was more aliens too, right? Aliens, oh. where they really utilized the motion tracker. Oh, see, technology progressed. Yeah. That's nice. And so this game becomes a sort of a dexterous point and click of you guiding and communicating and commanding these dots on a screen that are the staff trying to avoid this alien that's roaming loose. This is what I wrote. Then it becomes alien colon mall cop. <laughs> Where is that Paul Blart when you need yeah. him? <laughs> I was surprised they didn't uh, just bust out uh, a segue <laughs> for, <laughs> for Ms. Hug and Kiss to zoom out on. Surely, this is a very expensive space station yeah. <laughs> that's very large, lots of ground to cover. They should have had a segue. <laughs> right. But yeah, this is when you realize, oh, this game is flipping between camera feeds and looking at a map. But there's a bunch more mechanics at play. There you is. as Ripley, 
the engineer have rigged up some solar panels and for various reasons you only get eight minutes of power for each level right you uh-huh. also have a limited amount of i guess power allocations to divert energy to so in every level you have five power slots so every time you turn on the motion tracker on the map for a certain location that takes up a power slot and then every time you close a door and keep it closed that also takes a power slot so with those combination of things, sometimes a level can have three motion trackers that you would like to keep on um, to keep track of the alien dot that goes around. Uh, and at the same time, like you have to close these doors in order to keep the crew safe. And so you got to make quick decisions on like, okay, what do I turn off? What do I turn on to make sure this alien is tamed bitch? <laughs> so yes, you've got to do some, in addition to being looking at camera feeds and uh, studying a map, you also have to do power management. Mm. All designed to make you poop your pants. <laughs> <laughs> so then you get around the first level. I mean, I was very confused about what I was doing. Somehow the tutorial didn't work on me mm. because now I'm just like, what am I looking at here? Um, I feel like I was like blundering around this like low resolution map with tiny dots on it moving around. And I'm like, wait, what am I supposed to be doing? Mm. Where am I supposed to be getting to? And then you sort of notice that, oh, there's like a small animated little square. Like, oh, okay. So I need to get these people here, I guess. Yeah. I don't know. I was kind of underwhelmed. My first play was very much like, what? What? <laughs> so the first objective was very confusing. And I think that's because, yeah, like you said, the objective marker didn't really stick out to me as something that they had to go to. Uh, what am I even looking at? It wasn't even glowing. It was just like this little nice icon was on the map. I thought it was actually part of the map, right? <laughs> yeah, I didn't was, see it for the It was the so well time. designed right. that I was like, okay, yeah, this is cool. What's that? I don't know what that is. <laughs> because of course this is, you know, uh, a fake ATC RT monitor. Right. Like straight so It has that like, like effect, you know? Yeah. So yeah. yeah, it was that initial part. Like I agree, like you didn't know that you had to bring these two dots over to there. Right. <laughs> it's like, Oh wait, I'm playing my favorite game. Two dots. <laughs> <laughs> I eventually managed to kind of blunder around and get the dots to where they needed to go and complete the level, which was kind of unsatisfying. I didn't really know what I had done, but um, yeah, you had to complete a level. Hurrah. On to the next level. Were you listening on your headphones? Sure. Maybe I wasn't paying attention. I don't know. Maybe more visual learner, <laughs> which is my excuse for everything. Did you switch... Did you switch camera angles to see the action that was happening? I didn't realize there were camera icons on that little map to begin mm, with as well. Right. Um, I feel like the map, they went with the aesthetics, uh, maybe a little too much. Yeah, over functionality. Versus like, like, hey, yeah. you're actually supposed to be playing this game. Um, but you get to the second level and there's a thing about repairing this, good repair the ship. And oh no, they are missing scrubbers scrubbers apparently a very important thing air scrubbers i mean don't you know anything about space <laughs> oh i guess that's true is that what it is but yeah uh, to the lay person i thought can we give another pass on like what we naming this missing part because now like, oh no where are my scrubbers where are my scrubbers at <laughs> they go hunt for the scrubbers oh no they aren't they, they they're not where you think they are and some helpful person has <laughs> left a little note i've taken the scrubbers greg peace yeah, yeah. <laughs> At Greg. <laughs> yes. And then you get quite a bad line line reading. Thanks for getting us killed, Greg. Classic Greg. <laughs> oh, Greg. That was kind of where I got to on the game. So let me let me get to the points of like why, why this game was so interesting to me. So yeah. there's a game called Five Night at Freddy's. Ah. Have you heard of this game? I read about it a lot looking yeah. at other reviews of Alien Colon Blackout. So this was a breakout game, I think maybe like four years ago. Uh, first on the PC, people started playing it because people were um, broadcasting it on YouTube and Twitch. Uh, it's this game where, like, you ha- you're you're a night shift security worker at a like a Chuck E. Cheese amusement animatronics place, right? right? Okay. But for some reason, like, they can't fill that job enough because like people keep missing or like they're dying <laughs> in the night shift, right? Right, right. And so it's your turn to do this like night shift patrolling. Um, and you just have to make sure that the animatronics aren't messing up anything, right? So you're in the office, you got to shine a flashlight, you got to look at the CCTV camera, and it's very much the same thing of like 
making sure um, you're just checking at the right spots, pointing your flashlight at the right place, shuttering the doors whenever the anim- animatronics tries to get to you. And there's like tons of jump scare, right? Mm, okay. So that game was super popular. And I think that's had the same principles. Like you had set amount of level, set amount of energy. Um, you had, you just had to survive until morning. Right. And the time passes a lot quicker. So this is definitely influenced by this game, this alien blackout. Uh, so, but that game, Five Nights at Freddy's, way too scary for me. Like, I don't know what it was about it. I think there was a couple of things. Like, there was no story, right? You're just this guy, this night shift that has to survive to the morning, right? That wasn't enough motivation for me. Two, like, I didn't know why these animatronics were coming to life. Well, that's kind of scary already. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> and too freaky. And it just relied too much on jump scares, right? It was just like the screaming sound of like, on these machines, right? And, you know, screw that. I did just uh, rewatch. Mabim Bam, the TV show, and in episode one, there is Jump Scare Justin. Right. <laughs> so I just kept thinking about that. Jump Scare. <laughs> yeah. And with this, with Alien Blackout, like, the story was really well integrated into, like, what was happening, um, you know, the motivation of, like, them conserving the energy, making sure they, they last through, and guiding the people. So guiding the people is something that you don't do in Five Nights at Freddy's which I think was such a cool implementation here and making sure that they, they get to live uh, by giving them some tools of like, oh, you can hide or like you can run, even if the controls were a little finicky, which I'll get to later. <laughs> yeah, and so like all of that put together just made me want to like really complete it. I have uh, finished the story. Aha. Uh-huh. And I'm never playing it again, but <laughs> it was really good. Uh, how many of the crew survived? All of them, baby. Oh, a perfect game. Nice. Oh, it was really hard. Is that because you had to, every time a character died, you restarted the level because sure. you're that kind of person? Yes. Okay. Right. I it's golf. Stand. Yeah. It's human golf. <laughs> <laughs> but thankfully, I think there are only like seven levels. It, it was a lot of memorization involved, which I felt was a bit difficult. But at the same time, it gave me assurance that, okay, like if I just do these parts over again, but make these corrections, like I can get through with it. Yeah. Right. How was the aliens AI? Good, but predictable. I mean, once you play through a level, you kind of get the, 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 like, cause in, in all the levels, it always starts out at the same point and kind of does the same thing. So you can sort of build a pattern for it, which was helpful because mm. if that was completely random, then I don't think I would have enjoyed it at all. There are some locations where you can see the alien move by mm. and there are some locations where the motion tracker isn't available. Like that was just enough to really say, okay, I have enough control of this thing. Um, but at the same time, still keeping me very puckered. Alien colon puckered. <laughs> I think one thing that immediately stuck out to me and I found frustrating was there's a kind of disconnect between what Ripley knows, like as the thing she's saying. She knows a bunch of stuff. She knows all about vents and uh, access points and engineering and scrubbers. But then you, as the player, know nothing, mm. and so there's really no way to kind of insert, you know, as a, like a plot device. Oh, here's now we explain what's going on and what you're supposed to be doing, right? Which I found really frustrating because she's like, "Oh, I know what to do. You need to go to the engineering bay and then close the doors and then go up here." And then you see this map, and you're like, "Uh, what? <laughs> yeah. Say what now?" <laughs> yeah, it would have been great to give some like you know, red line indicator or something to say like, this is, this is where, this is where you should take them and some suggestion on like how to take them. Yeah. Cause I mean, I know on other games I've probably complained about like over tutorialization, mm. but here, especially if you're like invested in the story and kind of want to get immersed in it, I found it difficult to really get a grasp on what I was supposed to do as Ripley because she was already like 10 steps ahead of what I was trying of me even comprehending what was going on. Right. And I it see. made a little bit of a jarring experience of like, mm. Oh, I guess everyone's, everyone's ready to go. Uh, yeah. uh, okay. I guess I'll just tap around. I don't know what I'm doing. Yeah. So one thing that I really wish, and I think this might help is that I wish there was a pause moment. I wish mm-hmm. I could pause the game. Cause one of the things you have to do is like, you have to tell quickly, p- tell people to hide. You have to tell people to like stop moving or like hurry up. And those controls are really finicky. So a pause and then being able to command them to certain things to draw a path in the map of telling them where to go, that would have helped. But in terms of your thing as well, like 
if we, if there was a pause and then being able to learn the map, like tapping on a location and saying, oh, this is the engineering bay or like this is the, the emergency room, like those kind of things would have been supremely helpful in you feeling like you have control. Because like, yeah. and I think that's where the fear comes in this game is that you feel like you don't have control. I mean, maybe that's the whole point. Right. That is but the it, whole point. Yeah. It wasn't, well, but I wasn't, not, I was just annoyed. I was just like, well, what the hell am I supposed to be doing? Like, yeah. what is this thing? So There's, like, here's a, here's a little plot idea. When those four people first come on the ship, make some reason that Ripley has to be the person to do one mission, and she explains what she needs, like, say, Yatani to do mm. with the controls, and so you play that first level as Yatani at the controls, and that's where Ripley explains everything that's going on, and then you find some other reason for Ripley to come back and be the main control person for the rest of the game. Mm. Boom. Problem solved. <laughs> Should we get to our three by threes? Let's get to the three by threes. Three things good and three things bad. Jump scare. Jump scare. <laughs> this is a really well-polished, high-intensity game. I think, uh, you know, not only do you have to be quick on your feet in order to think, uh, even if there is a small amount of levels here, like you can really dig into it and really get a lot out of the game. And a lot of it comes from you getting to learn the map, getting to learn the level, um, getting to learn sort of like the functionality behind it. And like, once you do, I think you can get the most out of it. And it feels like alien, right? Yeah. I think that's kind of your point. Like they've done a really good job of maintaining that alien feel, the alien feel, the lore. Yeah. The canon. I remember reading a great article that did like his whole deep dive on like the, the fonts and like typography of like alien, maybe the same guy that did all the, the icon design as well. Maybe. Like they said, this amazing, crazy attention to detail. Yeah. But uh, yeah, you kind of get the feeling here. Um, my, good first, my first good point, good voice acting shock. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For the most part. I initially, think yeah. Initially, I felt like Amanda was a little too flat, like throughout the entire thing. Yeah. But I think overall, like by the end of it, like I, I appreciated the, the constant level that she... Yeah, had throughout the entire game. Yeah, yeah, I know. You mean I suppose narratively she's trying not to draw attention to herself, so she's purposely talking quietly. But yeah, yeah, it felt a little bit robotic. But I think I, I jived with it by the end of it. Yeah, yeah. And in fact, the whole sound design is is top great. notch. Yeah. So like everything from the the opening title instrumentation to uh, if you listen carefully, there's like like a. like throughout the entire game that would like kind of get faster on like the really exciting parts. But like that was also um, very similar to like what they did in aliens. The movie is like whenever they turned the motion track around, it was like had that. Uh, that's smart. Sound. Yeah. yeah. Uh, there is a solo violin that comes in that I could do without <laughs> small notes on the music there. That's the eighties uh, scary movie violin. Yeah. I could have done without that. <laughs> But otherwise, yeah, impressive. I think that this is the first time I've come across voice acting that's worked for me. Yeah, especially on a mobile game. Yeah, I also like that uh, it was a pretty fleshed out story. Like, Oh, yeah. Story boy Sam says thumbs up on the story. Thumbs up on the story. Although I have one fault with the story. The Yutani that's actually on one of the crew, she's an executive director. Mm, like on a yes. cruise ship of four with like an engineer a pilot and a scientist like why why is she there so they kind of explained their stuff like throughout the entire game but there was never explained why that oh okay executive director yutani was there she's not the yutani from wayland yutani the titular yutani (laughs) right but she is a yutani so that was interesting to see but is being aliens don't they have some of the executives on board or no i'm not remembering that no aliens okay was just back to they're, the, they're there to kill the bugs. All them damn bugs. All of them bugs. Give me them bugs. <laughs> I did like the choice that death is permanent, at least if you're playing that game. So if you lose a crew member, then that's it. They're gone for the whole game. Right. That was like a nice touch, I thought. It was yeah, it was a very good touch. I because they kind of trailed that in the App Store blurb of like, oh, it changes the outcome of the game forever, right? Which I don't know if that's true. I don't know if it actually changes the ending, right? Um, uh, but go back and play it again. It, no, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm puckered out. 
But yeah, it's interesting because you definitely have a harder time doing things that you have to do um, concurrently on certain levels. Like you got to send one person out to do this one thing and it's good to have another person stand by on this other thing, right? So all of the all of the, the objective markers remain constant throughout all the levels. So if you have less people to do that, then you're That's in for a time, yeah. Mm, interesting, yeah. I have one more good point. This game is done fully in 3D, uh, meaning all the characters or everything, like all the camera angles are done in 3D, which I thought lots of really... That's a lot of work to make it appear like it's showing on a CCTV, right? But at the same time, like you appreciate it. Like there is a difference between you flipping on the map view, getting getting your information from that and actually switching over to the the 3D view to get a glimpse of like what's actually happening. And, and I think the implementation was really well done because if you look at games like Five Nights at Freddy's, it was all pre-rendered stuff. Um, and it really makes a difference when these things are fully rendered in 3D. On to the bad points. On to the bad points. Hit me with a bad point. This is really scary. <laughs> <What's that? laughs> like, I couldn't play more than like one level at a time. <laughs> and yeah, it was, I dreaded it so much, but I just had to push through. Um, yeah. It felt like a job. <laughs> That's part of life as a professional games reviewer. <laughs> because I couldn't really engage with it. I didn't find it scary. Because mm. I was quite frustrated by that old map UI. Hey, let's take another pass at that. Shall we? That'd be my suggestion. Yeah. Like, I, like I get it. Like you want to make it uh, the authentic CRT vibes and all the stuff, but I feel like it really got in the way of enjoying the game or even giving coherence to what's going on. Right. The dots that you had to click on the map to assign, like to, to find yeah. out who they were. Cause there's a name list on your left hand side that expands out. If you, click on the person's dot right you can either click on the dot that's on the map and then their name expands out or you can click on the name to see which dot is highlighted right both of things are difficult because like if you click on the name it's hard to find out which dot is highlighted because the map is so small and if you click on the dot it's like you're not sure which dot you're really hitting until you look over and then see the name expanded out yeah like well they don't have four different colors on the crt just to give you a little bit of a hand I'm telling you again, my fingers are not that fat, <laughs> but like to go, I believe you Sam millions wouldn't tapping that dot. And then like tapping a command on the left-hand side on a phone is really difficult to do, especially when you got to do it quickly. Yeah. Did you try like thumb, thumb and thumbs or <sighs> maybe that's how you're supposed to do it? Maybe, but, but I don't know. It's not like, intuitive. The only, the only way that I felt sure was to play it on an iPad. And yeah, and I don't want to carry around my iPad. <laughs> Especially when you've got your Switch as well. Right. It's ridiculous. Yeah. Let's talk about drawing out the target paths for your mm. people to walk on. Yeah. Ooh, that's not fun either. That wasn't fun. Works so much better on an iPad with an Apple Pencil. <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah, let's just take another pass at that UI. Like drawing out a vector line in Photoshop. Look at me, designer. <laughs> you know, you touch a point and then you touch the next point and then you touch the third point. Oh, look, now you have a line. Like that would be a far better UI for this rather than trying to drag your finger or just and because the map's so tiny of course your finger obscures exactly where it's going right. and so you can't your tell your finger's not transparent just, oh boy yeah if you can only <laughs> yeah. get that upgrade that'd be great <laughs> right you know in Futurama there's a there's an invention that the professor makes it's called the thing longer the, no not Zoidberg oh not Zoidberg oh okay well in that case I don't care <laughs> it's a guy that sounds like this oh yeah yeah Professor... We're going Professor. Yeah. Professor, Professor. He made a thing longer, which is like an extension of your finger that just goes really long. Oh, perfect. (laughs) But imagine that if it was transparent, then, you know, you'd be able to (laughs) clip it on your finger and actually control and see. (laughs) My next bad point, there's no end game. So after you finish with a game, after seven levels, Mm -hmm. uh, there's really nothing. Seven scary levels. Seven pooptacular levels <laughs> there's no end game but i'm totally fine with it yeah. but for those that Doesn't might sound have, like you're fine with it <laughs> but I'm, I'm saying like for those that might have wanted more of this action after you're done with it that's pretty much it but is that not just the deal with alien movies like it always ends on opening up for the next the next sequel mm. but yes i saw you know what you mean. but i mean for for a mobile game that you're paying like what 4.99 for 
for seven levels. Let's say a person's really good at this game, finishes it in like a week. <clears throat> uh, they might they might have issues with that, right? Like there's no infinite level or anything like that, right? Like where right. Alien's going to plop out at some random location. You got to try and do this, right? Like some sort of mission generator. Yeah, and it sounds like the replayability isn't there. Right. I didn't have a problem with it because I was fine with the ending and I like neat little packages and I don't mind spending money for a good experience. But yeah, yeah other people might. Could be longer, Yeah, I guess. I think when I first played it, I was surprised that there's just sort of tedious, lengthy periods of waiting for small dots to move on screen. And I found myself thinking, wait, is, should I be doing other things? Like, is this the game? And I think it, that is the game. A bunch of time is just spent waiting for people to walk somewhere. Mm. Okay, yeah, that is the that game. A, okay, that okay. is the game. Yeah. yeah. You can tell them to run, but then that makes them louder, which then attracts the alien to you. Right. So I was like, oh boy, if you're this slow, I kind of want the alien to eat you. <laughs> the Studwick sounds like he should be eaten. Sounds like a good sandwich. The Studwick. Yeah, I think you get that from Potbelly, can't you? Final bad point. Takes a while to reveal the strategy. Like, I still don't really... Like, I kind of get the idea of, like, oh, you've got limited energy, you've got limited time, you need to do the things without the alien seeing you, but even after a few levels, I still don't quite... Yeah. I don't feel steeped, I don't feel like I understand exactly what's going on and why I care and how to balance all these things and what's really happening. I don't know. I mean, obviously you've got to do the end, so, so you got it, but I think I also had advantage of playing a game like five nights at Freddy previously. Mm, so I so know got like shorthand of like, Oh, I see what's going on. Yeah. Okay, I got you. Like you flip through the cameras really quickly to see where the monster is. And then you have to look at the, um, the map just to see, and then like, just make sure people are moving towards the right location. Yeah. It's like, you have to do these things like constantly and very quickly, like very in a frantic manner. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But for me, alien colon mole cop, Oh, I'm just watching some screens. So my final seven day rating, a three. Three. Uh, yeah, that's a lot more than when I initially played it. I like to put myself in your shoes. Mm. And as soon as the voice acting came on, I was <laughs> sure like, okay, this is going to be like a one day for Edwin. <laughs> uh, for me, seven days. Oh, yeah. ding, ding, ding. It took me like seven days to actually finish all of it, which was very scary. One, and, one level a day. And daunting. Yeah. But I'm glad that's over with. <laughs> okay. Well, that sounds like a perfect segue, because I can now give you a new game to play. Yay. You can tap and hold on that icon, make it jiggle and press X, and add a new one, because, Sam, you have seven days to play, and bear with me before you react, but Golf Zero. It is a new year, new, new you. Yeah, but no, it is not just a golf game, because Golf Zero is a crazy mix of golf and platforming. Ah, are you not intrigued? Are you not intrigued? Jump, bounce, and slide your way around the levels, trying everything you can to get the ball in the hole. There is nothing quite like a nice round of golf, the freshly cut grass, the birds singing, the razor-sharp saw blades, the mid-air bullet-time shots as you dodge a bone-crushing boulder. (laughs) Okay, the copy on this is pretty good. (laughs) Work your way through 40 normal levels, or complete against the rest of the world in speedrun levels. And this is from Colin Lane Games AB, who... I believe oh, he has yeah. made some previous games. He made the previous golf game that we played where it was top down. Golfing around. Yes, he previously made golfing around. So Colin Lane up for a second game on the seven days to play he leaderboard. Seems to be on the same golf kick as you. Yeah. <laughs> cool. I'm, I'm looking forward to this. Uh, it kind of looks like uh, Super Meat Boy. How do you know my high school nickname? <laughs> I have a segment. Oh. Yes. How is Edwin doing on Star Trek Fleet Command? Uh, because I was traveling last week when we were playing Star Trek Fleet Command, and so I didn't really get a chance to play it as much as I want. Um, <laughs> I'm going to give it a three out of seven days. <laughs> uh, I kind of went reasonably hard at tapping and collecting all those things. Yeah. I've got seven on my icon, which I'm going to assume means I'm power level seven. And I played it quite a bit. I've got 8,700 power units. That's a lot of power units. What can I say? What can I say? Um, Yeah, no strategy has revealed itself as yet. I'm still endlessly tapping on boxes. And I was done with it. How is is the starship fighting? Do you Uh, get at least two starships to command? I got two starships. 
Uh, so that's a fleet, technically. Yeah, oh, uh, finally, the, um, the fleet commander. Um, no, it does not get any more interesting. Mm. If anything, it's more confusing because now it's very difficult to understand where you are and there's a bunch of maps happening. You have to find new star systems and how they're all related is tricky. This is just a clicker masquerading as a Star Trek game. Ah, that's a shame. This reminded me, they, I do have a bunch of Star Trek things, even though I've never actually seen the show. Oh, um, interesting. I've listened to a lot of <laughs> Star Trek in a way, because there's a YouTube video that I love to put on when I'm trying to focus on things or feeling stressed out at work. And that is the engines from Star Trek The Next Generation idling for 24 hours. Yes, that is so one of the best good. sounds ever. <laughs> yeah. It has that... that and then like Sam I feel like I'm listening to it right now (laughs) so I've spent I mean I've probably listened to hours of Star Trek Next Generation Engines you know it's really amazing because I uh, I always wondered like whenever I turned on a Star Trek Next Generation episode I felt this like calm like I was like oh yeah like this like I felt very nostalgic um, and a few years ago, like I pinpointed like it was that sound it was the sound (laughs) of the warp engine the, the engine running in the background and I was like, wow, that is like such a unique and delicious sound. And I don't know if they have it in like the new seasons of oh. Star Trek. Yeah. Oh. Do you not feel as calm? No. Because mm, okay. <laughs> like whenever, yeah, it's it's something about those episodes that's just like, it's constantly in the background. And it just sounds great. Yeah. yeah. So yeah, uh, we'll a put a link sound. to that YouTube video in the show notes. It is delightful. And there's another bit of Star Trek lore. I don't know, Sam, if you've heard of this stabilized Star Trek. <laughs> no, but I can I can imagine what it is. <laughs> so back in the day to, well, even to this day, to simulate, you know, oh, something slammed into the Star Trek Enterprise. They have to do, oh, look at the crew jumping out of their chairs. Camera uh, shake. And with a whole bunch of camera shake. Um, with today's technology, you can unshake <laughs> the camera. So I highly advise you to search for stabilized Star Trek and you'll find a bunch of GIFs of people just... <laughs> falling off a chair because it's quite incredible (laughs) that's amazing um last thing of the week yes uh so last week i think we got to the point where you know you and i sit together in the office we do right it's it's both a pleasure and a pain no i'm just joking it's it's always a pleasure but we came across the subject of us being snowed in because there is snow in the office and then you mentioned something about Hanson, and then that reminded me of a, it was like a Futurama oh. commentary where they were talking about the Hanson actually being guests on a Futurama because their heads were singing <laughs> Mba. And then like one of the, one of the speakers in the commentary was like, you know, they're actually like really good musicians. Like they're qualified music that can play really well. And then I, I kind of mentioned that and passing to you and you gave me this answer of like, oh, they're okay. Like, they're fine. And I was like, no, like, they're really good. Like, one of them, uh, Taylor, I think his name is like, yes, his name is, and you replied, yes, his name is Taylor. <laughs> he's really good on the piano. And then you gave me another, like, inquisitive, yeah, he's pretty good. And I was like, that got me questioning, like, why is he, like, acting like such an authority on Hanson? And then I pushed it a little further. Like, what was their other names again? Like, I think one of them is Sam. And you're like, no, no, no one's named Sam. It's Zach and Isaac. And I was like, oh, yeah, one of them was Isaac. What was the other one? It's like, no, it's Zach and Isaac. And it's like, <laughs> wait, you know all the names of Hanson? <laughs> and I'm like, were you a fan? Um, and you said? <laughs> I don't even remember what I said. <laughs> You're like, yeah, you can call me a fan. And I was like, <laughs> and I mentioned something to the point of like, oh, I think they came out with an album recently. It's like, yeah, it was last year. They they just, you know, they, they've been constantly coming out with albums. And I, was, and I did yeah, a check. studio albums. <laughs> <laughs> and these are all facts. So I I didn't realize that Edwin was a secret Hanson fan. It's true. Yeah, I've seen them live three times. <laughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> and so I asked Edwin to put me a oh, it's like, why don't you create me a list of your five best Hanson songs? And to which he replied I cannot simply make a five <laughs> best Hanson song playlist. It was so hard. It was too hard for five. Five too difficult. <laughs> and so you sent me a list of 10 Hanson songs and I've listened to them. Oh boy. We will put a link to the show notes in case you want to listen along. Yeah. And I have to say it's a very uh, nuanced list. Oh. Meaning it is not the type of songs that I would expect Hanson's to sing. And for you to like. <laughs> Both ways. Yeah. So how much Hanson have you heard? Other than Umbop, of course. Otherwise, 
Are there any of those songs on the list? I've heard like maybe two or three of them. Okay. Like Penny and Me was reasonably big. Yeah. <laughs> dropping dropping these titles. <laughs> okay, sorry. I gotta look at the list. Um So it's yeah. ordered from good to best. My favorite Hanson song being Go. Which happens, yeah, which is right. the last one on the list. There. I think I heard this time around. Oh, that's good. Um and I think Where's the Love is the other one that I've heard. Ah, uh, yes. That was their second single after Umbop. Yeah. I like that. Oh, man, that's such a good song. Ignore the bridge. The bridge is quite bad. Because, like, dark clouds all around. Oh, yeah, that's no good. But going into that chorus before the bridge, there's, like, this amazing vocal harmony that does, like, a minor seventh. Oh, it's really good. <laughs> okay, stop. Stop it. So, so this, this, is, this is what made this... My thing of the week is that one, it's yeah, you're a huge Hanson fan. <laughs> but two, this is actually a really good list, but totally not what I expected. Oh, okay. Meaning uh, it's very Americana. Like mm-hmm. the music is almost like, okay, the best way for me to describe it is have you ever watched the movie The Commitments? I have not. So it's about this band that it's in England. Uh, I think like, you know, it's this like truck driver that could sing and hooks up with a piano player at a bar because they're just like kind of jamming one day. And then all of a sudden, like they form a band that becomes like really, really popular locally. And then all things go to crap afterwards. Okay. Right. Like it's it's one of those like fun little stories. Kind of like it reminds me a lot of uh, Full Monty. In a way, but oh, I see. Okay, it's a band, right? Gotcha. Yeah, yeah. They're yeah. all sort of coming together. I see. But there, they played like really interesting songs that were kind of you know just like jazzy bluesy thing that reminded me a lot of this list, mm. and I did not expect it. But yeah, <laughs> it was a really good list. Thanks for making this together. <laughs> These are deep, deep cuts. Like I think you can't really appreciate this un- until you've heard all of. <laughs> Hanson's album. Yeah, I was very intrigued to see what you would think because I feel like I've got such history with these songs that that like completely clouds my judgment. Like I think of <laughs> like a reason I love Hey so much is that I would just have visual memories of seeing them live, and of course they do a big like audience performer callback, and they shout Hey, and the audience shouts Hey, and then every time we shouted Hey, this very perky girl would elbow me in the head when she. Would sh- shot her hands up in the air. <laughs> we saw them in Austin, Texas. Um, so yeah, like I just still remember every little thing about that. So uh, it's not just the music, it's also the nostalgia. Yeah. Which is very difficult to separate the two. I got visuals of like a young Edwin. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is, this is a good, this is a good list. Uh, thanks for putting that together. <laughs> You're most welcome. It was quite fun and difficult. And that is our show. You can listen to Hanson by following that playlist that'll be in the show notes. And uh, tweet us some gaming suggestions by following us on 7 Days to Play. Listen to us. No, you already listened to us, so your job's done. Yep. Don't email us. 7 Days to Play.